Welcome to the Kara's Kara's Digital Show and Podcast, where we explore the cutting edge of wellness to strengthen our body, minds, and spirit. And we want to thank our sponsor for this episode, the Center for Advanced Reproductive Services, that offers couples many ways to create a family. Welcome, everyone. I'm your host, Kara Sundlin. So, did you drink too much during COVID? September is National Recovery Month. I am joined by Amanda Aronson, and she is a recovery coach for women. She actually helps women and others create healthier habits around alcohol. Welcome. Thanks yes. for being here. Thank you for having me. So how big of an issue has drinking become for women? Well, it's been an increasingly important and significant issue. So this has been something that's been on the rise since before the pandemic. You know, women's rates of drinking um, heavily have been steadily increasing for over a century. But by 2019, they had surpassed the use of men. And by 2020, you know, the rates of women's heavy drinking had actually increased uh, 41%. And by 2021, we started to see the physical effects of that with uh, alcoholic liver disease increasing in women under 40 by 30%. Wow. So if people are being mindful and saying, you know, I want to be more sober or I want to have a healthier relationship to alcohol, what's step one? Well, I think that it's, it's, it's an acknowledgement of what people are comfortable with. I mean, some people have found that they were on a slippery slope through the pandemic where they increased the volume of what they were drinking and they telescoped out into dependency. So I think for women who are just uncomfortable with their drinking, they can consider whether they are worried about dependency or not, and that can help them figure out their first steps. Yeah, and I guess, how do you know? I mean, people will say, oh, it's fine, but if you're drinking every day is that a problem or if you're having one drink a day that's okay is it more why you're drinking because you're drinking to feel something mm -hmm. well statistically speaking you know men and women drink for different reasons so men drink and this is the same for adolescent boys they drink more for pleasure women and adolescent girls drink more to cope so i think a woman knows in her gut whether she has a problem with drinking and it's really for her to decide Okay, so that would be something to distinguish. So ask yourself, are you drinking for pleasure because you're going out to have some fun with friends or it's, uh, it's the weekend or are you drinking because you don't want to feel something? Yes, I think it's the numbing, the coping. You know, if you're someone who is scrolling through on Instagram all of the sites about recovery and looking for tips and you have secret books under the bed and in the dresser, I mean, those are the, there's, that's very common for women who are worried about their drinking and how they're feeling. And, you know, I think um, parenting during the pandemic was certainly extra challenging. Um, but for moms as well, uh, is there a, a certain extra level of care because they're just so much is hitting at them with the kids and even the extra risk of them drinking a lot because perhaps they are taking care of children at home? Yes, I think that what I, you know during the pandemic, I was an elected official and got to see the community from the back end, and we actually saw, especially parents of young children, women especially, they were just crumbling. Um, the mm. stress was immense, and mm -hmm. that's something that they've, some women have had a tough time getting their hands around. Yeah. So. Uh Talk about a little bit about your own story and why you've become so passionate to help others recover. 
Oh, thank you. Well, this is personal to me. You know, I've been sober from drinking for eight and a half years, and I went, I started drinking socially in high school, and when I got to college, I picked up a troublesome practice of drinking privately at the end of the night just to relieve some of the stress I was feeling, and I carried that practice into my adult life, which really caught up with me by the time I had children, and it started to worry me because the regularity of my drinking and the increase in volume created a dependency, and you know, I tried to quit a couple of times, but I could never make it more than a year. And I really started to worry that if something happened seriously in my family, that drinking would be the way I would cope with it. And that my kids really, and my husband, deserved better. So I realized then that I had tried to stop drinking before, but I had never actually tried to recover. And that's when things changed for me. So what's the difference between stopping and recovery. Yeah. Well, trying to stop drinking is, you know, you'll hear the term white knuckling where people just try to stop drinking. But recovery is actually something in in and of itself. It's a, an identity that you take on. It's a commitment that you make and it's something that you need to prioritize in your schedule. So there's some tips that we use, you know, when people are trying to focus on recovery, but for women especially, um, the busier their lives, the more they might be looking to cope with things and um, you know, it's something that takes a concerted effort. Yeah, so let's. you have five steps that help, mm -hmm. and some of it is just physical. Like, I mean, let's just, the first one you said is becoming aware, right? That's, yes. that's step one. We just need yes. to know that maybe I'm doing this more than I want to be. And, yes. and part of it, before we even go on, I mean, part of it is alcohol is the one drug in America that is, it's almost like people want to ask why you're not drinking. If you go out and you say, I'm not drinking, people want to know, why, why? Yeah. Why aren't you drinking? Here, have one. I mean, there, there is a different um, level of expectation around drinking and, and peer pressure, even for adults, than there mm -hmm. is for anything else. Yes, and I think a woman knows how she, she knows if she has something that she needs to deal with. And I think that that's where we get into a lot of shame and people are embarrassed to talk about it because there's many women who can drink socially and, and in a healthful way, but there's others who, you know, they're drinking when they're cooking, they're drinking when after their kids go to bed, they're up too late, they can't get up, they don't exercise, and it's a vicious circle of just not feeling well. Mm. And they're having a hard time getting themselves out out of it. So if that is resonating with you as you listen to this mm -hmm. and you're thinking, gosh, yeah, I don't want to feel this way. Maybe I don't even want to be, um, you know, completely sober, but I want to cut back. Is there a difference there? Well, a lot of my clients will explore. You know, they need to do their own research. So some people will abstain from alcohol for a few months just to do their own research to see how they feel. And maybe they can go back to drinking in a healthy way and they haven't had a dependency. But for other women who know that, like me, I, if I have one drink, my body craves another. So that's where, for some of us, there is a difference. And for some of people like me who just cannot drink, we need to really think about recovery as its own journey and really structure our lives around it. Okay, so what's the second step? Well, I think to back up for the first step, if for anyone who was going into recovery and really wanted to arrange their lives accordingly, the first thing is to modify your schedule to make room for recovery practices. So this is something that needs to show up on your schedule. They take time. So there's usually a way of thinking about this as first things first. You know, for me, it's sleep, nutrition, and exercise. So when it comes to sleep, you know, when you're in recovery, if you've been binge drinking, drinking heavily, your body needs to do an 
exceeding amount of healing. Mm -hmm. So it's hard on the organs, the muscles and tissues of the heart, the liver, the pancreas, the stomach, mm -hmm. the esophagus. Your body has an incredible capacity to regenerate, but it needs, a lot of those things happen when we're sleeping, and it's emotionally exhausting. Um, food, you know, it, there's a lot of sugar in alcohol. So particularly for people early on in recovery, they, if anyone who's ever tried to give up sugar knows that it is very difficult, yeah. and you do not feel well, and you're not nice to be around. So for a few weeks, it's hard to discern whether you're addicted to the sugar or you're addicted to the alcohol, because mm. they're very much hand in hand. So thinking about eating a whole foods diet, lots of healthy fats, you know, things that are going to... Um, accelerate some of the healing that your body needs to do and your brain needs to do it's just going to make it easier um, alcohol actually disrupts your gut microbiome and so that's really connected to your mental health food is mood so that has a big part to play in this and exercise um, is, is is very important six to seven days a week for someone in the early stages of recovery because you need that dopamine hit and that serotonin uh, release to happen from something other than alcohol mm. So th that's the tricky thing with alcohol is people think that it relaxes them and makes them feel better, but all the research is showing it actually exacerbates anxiety and depression, in part because of what it's doing yes. to your gut where all your neurotransmitters are made. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because I had um, a therapist actually instructed me once that the, for women, the first drink feels like the equivalent of taking a Xanax. Oh, it's very relaxing. But every drink after that is a depressant. So you're actively depressing your system. Mm. And women are predisposed to anxiety, depression, and a lot of um, effects of childhood trauma. So heavy drinking affects us differently, not just biologically, but emotionally. And, you know, a lot of teens are drinking, and that's always been a case. But I think even now, um, you know, after the pandemic, we've, we've, we've become more aware of this. Um, they might think, oh, young people drink, it's no big deal, mm -hmm. we all did it. But what we're learning about what it can do to your brain is something that we really need to think about. Yes, and especially for, I have a background in, in education at the adolescent level also, so that is something very significant. You know, the rates of drinking and I think drinking and smoking are going down overall among younger people, but the rates of vaping and marijuana use are going up. But with drinking, if kids are starting it before the age of 15, you know they're much higher, at much higher risk of developing dependency later on in life. Mm -hmm. So that's a very tricky age group. They do not have a fully d developed brain until 25. Mm -hmm. So just something to think about when you're having, and, mm -hmm. and even though our brains, uh, as fully grown females, are <laughs> are not growing anymore, yes. um, the alcohol does have an effect on your brain. So. I talk about also as we get a little older in those 40s and 50s, perimenopause, menopause, we yes. don't even metabolize alcohol the same way. We don't. Women have much less water in the body. We have more fat in the body. So we metabolize it differently and, and we're more susceptible to the most severe effects of alcohol. So when women think, which is interesting because when people think about heavy drinking, you know, our bodies think about that as eight or more drinks a week, which might not sound like a lot to someone who's just casually drinking or binge drinking four or more drinks in a setting, but that is actually different from how your body thinks about what heavy drinking is. Well, and some people have really um, tried to work on their depression and anxiety, especially since mm -hmm. the pandemic. The good thing is we're more aware of mental health, but you might be, um, hopefully you're in therapy, but you might also be on an antidepressant. Yeah. How does that affect you if you're drinking even just a glass or two of something while you're taking a prescription medication? Well, I think it's important. This is why if people do feel comfortable being open with their doctors, they can actually make sure that they're 
being mindful of all of the different things they need to consider in their lives. And for people who are doing things on medication, they need to think about that. And for people who are doing things without medication, a lot of the exercise and things that you're doing can, in some ways, for people who can manage that, are going to be replacing some of the effects of some of those medications. So mm -hmm. it depends on the person's personal health. Right, but the alcohol mm -hmm. can definitely interact with those medications too. So if you're yes. already being treated with, yes. say, I don't know, Alexapro or a Prozac, to, to understand, I, I don't know that people always understand that um, having that drink with it is not like having a drink if you weren't on anything, even if you're on a low dose. Yeah, it's really important to ask a lot of questions and to be honest because our doctors are there to care for us. Yeah. And I think when people are also in early recovery, you know, they need to be looking at the triggers of their drinking and some what some of the cues are. So just the way people smoke when they drive, mm -hmm. women tend to, you know, drink when they cook, drink with the neighbors, their particular friends or after their kids go to bed. And it's really helpful to start analyzing your routines so that you can reshuffle some of the things that you do so you're not cued to have drinks at the same time if you're trying to cut back or you're trying to abstain. Okay, so how would you do that? Yeah. Like, let's say you always have a glass of wine while you cook, which doesn't yes. seem like such a bad thing, but how do you yeah. do that? Yes, <laughs> for, the, for the person who can have one while they're cooking, it's one thing. For the person who has one and then wants another and it unleashes an, an evening full of drinking, that person is probably going to be better served by shuffling the routine to have something different to drink while they're, you know, making a pot of tea, which takes longer to do, listening to a podcast, watching a master class while they cook, doing something else so that you're actually replacing that so that you're creating new neural pathways and expecting something different at that time of day. Okay. So, and, and that's something to think about is that you don't mm -hmm. have to just white knuckle it, as you said. If, if yeah. you, um, that's actually one of my favorite things to do to calm down at night is I have, you know, an herbal tea, uh, whether it be chamomile yeah. or there's a great nighty night tea out there with yes. valerian. And there's a lot yeah. of stuff that can give you that calm feeling mm -hmm. without the alcohol, which also is good if women are just wanting to cut back for even, um, calorie perspective and things yes. like oh, that. Oh, I lost 10 pounds right away from the sugar <laughs> when I stopped drinking, which is, you know, isn't something that I focus on, but I, my friends always found very interesting yeah. when we were talking about it. It is. It's, it's, there's a lot of sugar in alcohol. Okay. So, but, and then as people are moving through recovery, you know, the third thing that I would suggest for people to focus on is that you really need to make a plan for social events. So if someone is, is really entering a true part of recovery, yeah. um, it might be easier to avoid some of those high pressure situations, you know, going to a tailgate or a dance club or a cocktail party. It might be easier to avoid those things early mm -hmm. on. But when you do go, you know, we, I work with my clients a lot on making sure you know exactly what you're going to order from the bar, you know exactly what you're going to order from the waiter, and you know what you're going to say when people ask you why you're not drinking. You know, everyone thought I was pregnant at first, and I had to have something to say where I could protect my privacy when I felt I needed it. And uh, that's something that we can be very deliberate about, which just makes things easier. So what do you say? Well, I used to say, you know, my stomach isn't, it's not quite agreeing with my stomach, so I'm just kind of giving it a little rest for a while to see if I feel better, and I'm just buying myself some time. Yeah. And I think other people will say that, you know, they're just not comfortable with you know, how they've been drinking and they want to ease up a little bit. Other people can say they're just working on their health and wellness or doing Whole30. There's all kinds of little excuses that you can mention if you just want to have someone back off a little bit. Well, and that's the thing about alcohol. Yeah. You don't have to have an excuse 
if you're yeah. not going to do another kind of drug. But alcohol is one of those things yes. where it's so ingrained and mm -hmm. almost expected in adult culture mm -hmm. that people will rip you and they'll say, well, why aren't you drinking? What's going yeah. on? Are you yeah. pregnant? Are you this? Are you that? What do you mean you're not drinking? Are you sure you don't want to have one? Yeah. Have a small one. I mean, yeah. it's almost like people feel like they want you to drink so they can feel okay about it. People do feel better in, in good company. And, and I remember being shocked when I was next to a woman who said one time, uh, we went up to a bar together, I got a drink, and she, this is when I was drinking, and she said, oh, no, I don't drink. And I thought, huh, it didn't even occur to me that people didn't drink. Yeah. I mean, that's how normalized it was in my culture. And so now I'm on the other side of that and I realize that there's all kinds of people who don't drink, particularly, you know, I'll be 46 in October, particularly people at my stage of life who just want to work on good skin and they want to work on their health. They just, they're just not, they yeah. don't drink. And it's, right. that's true for a lot of people. Right. And, you know, I guess um, I have found, and I'm not a big drinker, but I have found that um, a lot of times I'll order a seltzer water with a splash of cranberry, and let, no one bothers you because it looks like a drink. Yes, and, there's all kinds you know, of So little, if you yes. are at an event where you know you're going to drive and I'm a lightweight or something like yes. that. Um, mm -hmm. I, but even uh, I think sometimes I do that because I just don't want to be bothered. And yes. rather than I'll it's just easier. have water, you know. Mm -hmm. And so I guess that's what you need to do. Is you're going to work on something you're going to say, and you don't have to tell everybody, I'm quitting drinking. You just can say. Correct. Right. You can keep it private. For people who need privacy at the beginning, Beginning, which is easier you know that these are the this is why we talk about how how we're going to be deliberate in different situations uh, well I know in the interest of time I want to make sure that people who are interested have some resources because mm -hmm. um, there's a few more steps that you want to get to but how how um, how can people get in touch with you and how do you help people um, if they want to get in touch with me specifically, um, my website is aronsonconsulting.org, and that's A-R-O-N-S-O-N. -O um, on Instagram, I'm Amanda Aronson number, in the number one, and so that's easy there. I would say if people are going to be looking for support, I would definitely encourage people to talk to their doctors, talk to therapists, try to figure out you know some of the root issues. There's women's only beginner 12-step recovery meetings every day throughout the state, um, and then there are people like me who offer targeted support and I have um, programs that I support people with that are very structured and I just meet people where they are with their relationship with alcohol and help them find their next best steps because it might not always be giving it up completely or it might yes it's different for everybody and I think some women right now really are curious whether they do need to explore sobriety or if they just need to help get back some of the control they had yeah and we do that together and you know dry January is coming up after the holidays a lot of yeah. people that's become more socially acceptable yes. I think we we got through a couple of the points, and I know um, I want people to be able to go to your website and get more, but can you um, tell us uh, the other couple? So sure. We're looking, one is just to find support, as we just talked about. It's extremely helpful. And then the last point is just to track your progress. So, you know, there's a lot of evidence in psychology behind why it's helpful, but yeah. tracking your progress, what you're doing and what you're not doing, and what that looks like in your life, so that you can go back and look at patterns and really analyze yourself and your behavior. There are so many apps for losing weight like mm -hmm. Noom or MyFitnessPal. Do you recommend any um, technology that could help you if you want to try this in private on your own? Anything to help do what you're saying, track your progress and inspire you? Yeah. I, well, the people that I work with, we re I really encourage them to do it manually to okay. keep a journal. And I think that's because it's, it's helpful when you go back and look at the hard the hard copy and people tend to add other things to that and it, that stays with you for years in a way that uh, sometimes the technology doesn't. 
So keeping the journal would be that you mark off a day you didn't drink today, or yeah. you mark off what you say what you did drink and maybe why what you why you did that. Yeah, sometimes people will write you know something in the morning that says I commit to not drinking today, and then okay. they sign their name, and then they make a plan for what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink. At, you know, after dinner, they find those areas that are yes. harder during the day, and they put exactly what they're going to plan on doing with that time. Okay. Um, they write how they're going to exercise, and then at the end of the night, you know, oftentimes they'll sign back in and say, you know, I didn't drink tonight, and how do you feel? And so they can go back and look at what they did. That really makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. a little bit of mindfulness can go a long yes. way until, as you said, you create that new pattern and those new yes. neural pathways. Yeah. So um, it is National uh, Recovery Month, so uh, it's informally referred to as Sober September. It might be a good time to experiment. Maybe you had a little too much fun over the summer. or uh, I don't even like to say that. A little too much fun makes it seem like alcohol is fun. Maybe you weren't feeling well <laughs> after the summer. Well, I think for people who don't have <laughs> trouble with drinking, it can be fun. You yeah. know, but there's just a lot of women who are struggling. And I think that those are the women we just want to make sure we can talk a little more openly with and make sure they hear stories and can seek support without shame. Well, I'm glad that there's people like you who exist because I think some people think they have to do this alone. Yeah. So um, it really can help just like you would hire a personal trainer or anyone else who's trying to help you, support you, who's an expert who can make a change in your life. So thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Yeah. This is very important and I hope that um, this content makes a difference for someone. Me too. And if you want more content on the cutting edge of wellness, you can listen to other Karis Cures episodes on this podcast or on WFC Plus. Please go back and share this content with a friend. It helps support the work. So you can follow me at Kara Sundlin. I like to share this content there, and uh, you can make sure you share it or tag someone that you love. Have a great day, everyone, and be well.